0: Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to what isn't really a bonus episode of Bench Units, but should probably be considered as such because there was a high likelihood we were going to do this episode and it just didn't get done. Um, We are sneaking one in before Euro Cup coming up this week because a ton of stuff happened over the weekend. And given our Spanish and German league elitism, I didn't even know a bunch of these events were happening, which was nice to ultimately find out. Um, I'm joined by James, and we are taking the people on something of a cross-European smorgasbord, if that is the correct word. Are you excited to tour six countries today?
1: Uh, yes, it'll be as far as I get this week, so, (laughs) yeah, happy enough. Do you
0: you want to open with this, or are we going to leave it till segment five of the six country tours? Well, well,
1: apparently I do, but yeah, no, um... Yeah, Um, I didn't play at the weekend because I have COVID and also won't be going to Champions Cup this weekend because of some other medical issues. And it's it's both deeply upsetting and very disappointing. And yeah, sucks to suck. Um, But yeah, pretty hard to just sit and watch. But this weekend, having a lot of weird basketball games on certainly helped. I actually messaged Mark uh first thing saturday didn't i yeah Uh, and i was basically like hey how's it going this has happened everything's terrible what's the earliest good basketball game on today there's got to be some weird turkish nonsense on because i need to watch something um it reminded
0: me of do you remember the stretch the last stretch where you lived back over here full time and um, both Gabby and Anna used to work Saturdays and we were like, shall we get together from 9am onwards and watch basketball until we've run out of footage to watch?
1: Yeah, it, it was Pancake Saturdays and it was great. It was. Oh, the
0: days. Yeah, you should, Um, you probably, if you can't fly to Istanbul, you definitely can't fly back here, but you should fly back here anyway and we'll eat pancakes and watch games all weekend. We'll weekend. just
1: zoom, it'll be great. Um. <laughs> If anyone didn't know better, they'd think that I'd just like cleared this all out so that I could watch Champions Cup games that I wasn't playing in. But yeah, that 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 soundbite
0: from the previous episode is looking a little bit incriminating now, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I really put myself in the bin there, but it's all right. (laughs) That might be the doctor's advice. That might be my prescription. Put yourself in the bin. Start over again. Right,
0: speaking um, of things that belong in the bin, shall we open up with our first, I don't know what the word is, venture in a long while into the British bas- Wheelchair Basketball League because we'd never talk about stuff going on back home. But we actually got a clash of 2 Euro Cup EuroCup-going teams, so it was a good time to watch this game. And if you wanted a bit of an insight as to why we don't talk about this stuff very often is because the live stream was terrible and the end score was 56-55. So this was Sheffield Steelers 56, London Titans 55. And this is about as instructive of a game you will see from back home in the wider picture of anything, I think, given what's coming up this weekend.
1: Um. Yeah, you say about like the reasons we don't watch it, one being the score. I wanted to watch a one point game, like sign me up. I tried to watch this for several reasons. One being it was very early on in the day that I was having a bad time. Uh, well, one of the days that I was having a bad time. There's, there's quite a few of those. Um, And also uh, know a lot of people involved. And also in the game after that in one division below, my sister was meant to be playing um was playing so i wanted to watch them all but the stream was just not good enough it's fair enough like they're streaming on a basketball court inside a hospital like i don't know if their wi-fi is meant to be great but um yeah it's also it's an amateur club with no obligation to stream it like i think the british league if they wanted them to do it better they could probably help out financially because it's not like I think professional clubs are obligated to do it and should be obligated to do it well if there's any money involved. But got teams like this, obviously, you've got, if you have to choose between streaming the game or your money going towards keeping the club alive and giving people opportunities, that's different. But so, yeah, tried to watch as much of it as I could, but I don't, like, I couldn't make half of it out. Could you?
0: Uh, Bits and pieces, but yeah, it was, it was not the easiest watch in the world. If people are interested in go back to check this one out. It was um, I think simultaneously, they obviously know this is an issue. Um, it was simultaneously recorded on like a second camera that wasn't live broadcasting, and I think that's made its way up to the Steelers YouTube page. Now. It
1: hadn't no. the last time I checked.
0: Okay. I have heard from somebody else, so I will double check where about it's it's ended up, but apparently it is online. Um Okay. But yeah, this was. An interesting one, and we've obviously did the Euro Cup groups um, last week on the roundup, so for people who need reminding, um, Sheffield are going to Hanover to take on Hanover United. More on them in a little bit. Um, Fenerbahce, Manchester Revolution, and Pilatus Dragons. Meanwhile, all, uh, London are going to... I can't remember where that one's being hosted, but they're in a group with Wiesbaden, Izmir and Hiaz, if I remember correctly. They are. Um, So yeah, this was wild, man. Um, Low scoring game. The story of it is um, in a nutshell that Sheffield won the first quarter 21-14 and Titans, despite winning the next three quarters, were not able to make up a seven-point gap, which um, to put it bluntly, I don't think bodes phenomenally well for their uh, venture that they're about to head out on. Um,
1: um, what I would say about London Titans is that they were, because of women Premier League reasons, uh, they were without Beth Wheeler and Jodie Waite, who um, play in the majority of one of them. At least one of them plays in the majority of their lineups. They play a lot of um three, four big with Jodie Waite as a female one on the floor. Um, like they weren't able to go um, many lineups with Gaz Perry and Elliot Hardman, which they kind of run fairly consistently for the rest of the league season, from what I've seen.
0: Fair enough. Um, shouts to Elliot Hardman by the way. I had a big game off the bench, double double in twenty three minutes. Um, yeah, and for me the. I mean, obviously, we're—I would say—we're fairly intimately familiar with the way Steelers do things, even with the changing face and stuff. Um, for me, the warning sign—if I mean, it's a great sign if you're Sheffield, it's a warning sign if you're London. Um, Steelers won this game with George playing 40 minutes and scoring eight points on nine shots. Yeah, uh,
1: and... would not have been what I had called, even with yeah. the context of the missing lineup possibilities like i would have gone okay if sheffield are gonna do this it's gonna be george going nuts but yeah
0: you think back to like the games we used to have against them and it was like point number one on the um scouting report is like get inside once you once we get the ball into a big guy they generally can't match up i know perry's been added to them since those days but i think it still holds true to some extent and yeah um Maddie Thompson, with eighteen points on fifteen shots, did most of her damage in that first quarter when Steelers ran the score the lead out to seven points. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Harvey, who people might not know at this point, but probably will at some stage in the future. By this time
1: eight, next week, hopefully. Yeah,
0: um, and Abs Tagrest with eight points, <laughs> number three in the number of shots attempted, which is a big deal <laughs> for a one point of uh, filling the right.
1: Layups, abs, layups. Um if he's yeah. listening to this, he knows what I mean.
0: <laughs> um but yeah, I thought London go with the thing with Gaz and Perry both out there together, uh Adia Deptan and Matt Seeley and Alex Merton kind of filling those in. They got a lot of threes of uh, three fives on the bench. And yeah, I hadn't clocked about what you're saying about their female players missing, but it makes a lot of sense when you say it that. There's a lot of. They've been very midpoint heavy for years, and it felt like they were missing that from the bits of the game I saw. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, I think their identity will hopefully come back with the addition of those, uh, the girls who were missing. But yeah, it would be. I mean, obviously, neither of these teams are your problem because um, they're Euro Cup one rather than. Um,
1: Not yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but if you're. <laughs> But if you you're looking at this as like scouting potential opponents, I think you come away with this away from this much more encouraged by Sheffield than you do by London because I would have said London was still the favourites going into this game.
1: Uh yeah, I think at full strength, I'd much still much rather see Sheffield than London if I'm another team, just because of the. I think there's like a there's a high level thing that like also I don't know I assume George can. Can play champions. I mean your uh, cup because I it would be weird to enter if you couldn't.
0: Yeah, well also based on our conversation with Oscar, um
1: if I mean, he can, we, yeah.
0: If, out today, if he can then I don't see why George can't. Um and yeah, like I say, it would be it would be one hell of a, a financial undertaking to head to um play Hanover and Fenabache without your chief offensive presence and defensive presence
1: (laughs) yeah um Um, but yeah like you look at like you've got george on one side of the ball but then if you're talking about like like high pointers that can win you a game you've got gaz perry um you know what i mean like you're kind of I, i don't know if if there was a considering that the games against english teams when you're in euro cup are normally a game that most Professional clubs would be wanting to win. There's a handful of guys in London that you're like, ah, this guy might give me 30, though. Like, you might have some trouble with a Gaz or a Perry. The same with George, but
0: they might, but they also might shoot a respective three of seven and six of 13 for a combined 22 points, as is the case. That's true. That is Um, true. And yeah, I I know you you try and stay out of this um, rivalry that I've concocted for us, but if Perry's listening, I. Hope he knows the glee that I will feel if London struggles continue out into the qualifying round. Oh,
1: I really uh, thought you were going to like take a claim into your Sheffield Steeler roots there for um, the Steelers versus Titan thing, and I was like, I think it's been long enough that I'm not sure you're you're able to. You're more anti-London's than L- London than pro-Sheffield at this point. No, oh,
0: entirely, yeah. Um, that's all I have on this one. But I like obviously we don't go out of our way to talk about this stuff typically. But I'm glad this game fell on this weekend not only because it helped the gimmick of this being an international smorgasbord but because this is actually an interesting result.
1: Yeah, this is a good this is a good way for us to be like hey, if you don't know what this team looks like before Eurocup, have a look. Uh so that game is at least available in segments of however long it takes to not lag uh, uh on the Sheffield Steelers Facebook page. So yeah. do with that information and, what you will. If you want to watch either of these teams
0: if we get the more polished up one, we will find a way to post it somewhere and make it available for consumption. Yes. Um, shall we get exotic and we will head over to Turkey very briefly.
1: Okay, yeah. Go ahead. So,
0: we only watched this one this morning. Um,
1: I only watched half of it.
0: Why Turkish games are being played on a Monday, I'm not entirely sure, but... Um, completely
1: insane like I've been trying to find Galatasaray games to watch for like Champions Cup reasons and I've seen one all year and the second one is the Monday of the week of Champions Cup (laughs)
0: um yeah I think I was torn on this is the wrong word um Galatasaray look fearsome and I don't think i really clocked quite how complete galatasaray looked until you realized they were running up a double-digit win on an extremely not a very well-known or huge reputation but a very competent team and they decided to throw some you know token finishing the game minutes to um ishmael R. chem Jizinsi, and uh, I can't remember the Iranian double amp um the three pointers name. I tried to read it the other week and made an example of myself. Yeah, I don't um,
1: remember it off by heart. Um but they had those three guys plays number, number f- sixty, he plays number thirteen for the Iranian national team and number sixty nine when he's playing club and really letting his hair down. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: but yeah, they threw those guys and Fikri Gondogdue some token five minutes at the end of the game, and it was at that point you're kind of like, oh, they've just got these guys sitting on the bench. Meanwhile, they've been rotating everyone from um Sayari, Abedi, Ferit, Ines Um I can't even think who else they've got. The Gunaidin. They're just loaded, loaded up with guys. And yeah, this um Gaziantep team or Gaziantep or however you say it, uh they're no chumps, man. And they mm-hmm. kept it close for a half, and I think they wore out, and they mostly subsist on outside shooting and Oscar berating people into finishing plays with sheer force of fear and further admonishment. But it's fun to see um, that.
1: It's been a long time since I've seen Oscar um hit threes and have a go at people. <laughs> I've missed it. like you feel like there's a void being filled because there are other Turkish high pointers that do that now, but it's it's not the same. Yeah, the um. Obviously, you only watched half of this because you've had we've kind of thrown this episode together at the
0: last minute. But
1: I watched half of it, sort of. i like in like phone coming out of my pocket in a doctor's office, like a waiting um, room, not the actual office. But yeah,
0: my take on watching this is there is not a big anywhere in Turkey who can't shoot the ball from at least the mid range. Yeah, and I think Turkey has this reputation where. People think the basketball is incredibly simplistic and like he- head down, batty away to the rim, but they play much less complex basketball than a lot of teams. But actually, a lot of it is because their offense is incredibly simplified because most teams can play three guys who can shoot.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. How much they- thinking do you need to do if it's put the ball there, draw help, put the ball there, score? Yeah. Like,
0: yeah. Um, Gaziantep have got some names that people recognise. Um, Osgo is obviously there. Salim Sayak is back from the dead, apparently, and playing a few minutes here and there.
1: Um, back from the dead means has played on a Turkish club that don't have a great social media presence.
0: Exactly. Uh, ditto for Denis Achar and um, I can never remember that double Lamp's name who was at task when we played them. Y- Bulent Yilmaz, is that right? Yeah! Um, yeah. He's great, great
1: shout. You dug that one out.
0: I did. um anyone who wants an insight into my mind um but yeah I thought they they were pretty good they're in one of the lower Cup rounds which I don't have to hand but yeah if you're anybody who's favored to win any of those um qualifying rounds for whichever it is of Euro Cup two and three imagine you certainly don't want to see those guys is no. my my analysis of that team and they push No, Galatas that's a team that is for... that's
1: a team that is up there in terms of like who he plays for? the... What <laughs> the
0: the ASEA nearly crashing the bus of whatever level they're playing
1: at. It's the Puerto Rican national team of the uh, <laughs> the Turkish club scene. <laughs> Is it, can that be
0: the name of the episode? Uh,
1: no. <laughs> That's a shame.
0: Um, but yeah, I overall. Like obviously, Galatasaray pulling it out is not a hugely surprising result, but I thought it was a competitive game, and yeah, um, I feel pretty <laughs> feel like I'm rubbing it in at this point because I called Galatasaray to beat you guys at um, Champs Cup to start next week. So sorry, this weekend coming up. So I apologize for that, but I probably feel a little more dug in on that take given the events this weekend um, on both sides. Sure. But yeah. Um, Turkey, there's a ton of stuff going on. I actually, I really hope when it gets to like Turkish final four, or whatever, it is, we get some decent live stream because I think the clubs are a pretty well kept secret, given that it's entirely, you know, Turkish founded, Turkish run for Turkish players. There's not really a whole lot of leaking out into the wider world, but I think the league deserves a little bit more attention if, if that is at all possible.
1: Oh yeah, I'd love to be watching it. Like. Nothing else to do, (laughs) right? Where do you want to go next? Uh, Should we talk about the French league? Let's final. I mean the cup. cup. Sorry, not the league final. The cup final. Let's do it. All right. So this game was Le Canet. Congratulations, Le Canet. Um, Le Canet sixty-seven. Le Puy fifty-three. Uh, interesting in the beginning there was a I don't have the quarter by quarter breakdown here because I don't have the stats because I don't think we have the stats um, we being the greater public um, but it was kind of a game for a while like and I looked a little scrappy um, oh yeah that was it sorry the quarter breakdown is here it was 16-12 um, first quarter and then like and I for kind
0: Puy,
1: of... oh yeah for le Puy. And then Le Canet turned it around, got out and transitioned. And on the second quarter, it was 26-10, which is nasty. Um, yeah, they just like, I don't know. There's like a scrappiness to Le Canet that if it's not, if they're not kind of in control, this is, uh, that's kind of an oxymoron to be like in control of the scrappiness. But if it's not like directed aggression, it can just be sort of, all over the place. There were like offensive files and sort of offense that didn't quite look right. And like it was sort of imbalanced. And they did a pretty good job on Maciek, which is their sort of most consistent sort of outside scoring guy. And then like, and I cranked it up to another level, started running and gunning and won a quarter by 16 in a game that they won by 14. <laughs> like,
0: that this was. I mean, first off, I, we've not watched a great deal of Puy, um Or talked about them probably at all, I don't think. Watching them in that first quarter, I I really like how they're constructed first off. Um, I think the the balance of Colin Higgins and Omar Zidi as your two bigs is pretty sound. Uh, I do like Zidi. He's like kind of budget Vahid. Um, and yeah, I think having the, the one other big out there, like the midpoint guy, Remy Bale is his name, and yeah. then the two Latvian guys who, it looks like you've got two lows out there, who, but they're both monstrous, so solid. strong and long-armed, and they're at no physical disadvantage against Maciek, which is pretty rare to have one low point who can do that alone too. Um, And I don't think Lapui play like a French team very much. I think there's a lot of swinging the ball side to side um, Colin, it's of, like
1: Colin Higgins has come and been like, "Hey, Canadian national team, we throw the ball from wing to wing, <laughs> like our high pointers throw the ball around, and we we look exactly. at threes and we generate from um, there." And Don't I think you know? they
0: certainly they certainly play a more sophisticated style of offense than Le Canadians do. Um, you kind of need but, to
1: when you're not absolutely gigantic, though. Like
0: yeah, this is. The first quarter was kinda of like you're you're better on movies than I am, so you might have a reference here, but what's like quite a high minded thinky movie I could use to ascribe Lepuy to
1: You could ascribe Lapui Well, I don't I don't know. Um I'm trying to give you like a fake man's deep movie, like a
0: That'll do. Uh, whatever whatever's good.
1: Pick any Christopher Nolan movie. There you go. Okay. So let's say Inception. Uh,
0: Let's say Le Puy are like, hey, you guys, we should really sit down all together and we'll talk you through Inception and the various intricacies of it. And then you like 10 minutes in and the Le Canet guy's like, hey, this is fine and all, but have you ever seen Mad Max Fury Road? And that was yeah. basically what the second quarter was, was like the the tour de force of Le Canet just burning up and down like there's no tomorrow. And yeah, <laughs> it's it, good.
1: So it's Mad Max showing up to this the scene where they're plotting in Ocean's <laughs> Eleven and just being like, "Hey, what about if we just drive vehicles through the middle of the Bellagio? <laughs>
0: like, yeah, that's what right. if we exactly. steamroll
1: the Bellagio?
0: Yeah, no, you you're hundred percent correct on that. And yeah, Le Canet didn't have their offensive groove to start the game, but they found it by sheer brute force and. It was good it was as good of an example as I've seen for in a long time of one team baiting the other team into playing their style because I think Lepuy were like feeling the pressure a little bit and they were like, hey, what if we just send, you know, our guards are are not at a physical disadvantage. They can, you know, land picks against these big guys and we can fly up and down and we'll get layups out of the press. And it was just turnovers, mm-hmm. rush shots, and Le Canet turning it around on the other end. And yeah, they... I mean, the interesting thing I thought was uh, in the Cup, Le Canet landed Hiaz in the first round, which I guess was just a fluke of the draw. And they, after that overtime game we talked about, back whenever that was, Le Canet proceeded to beat Hiaz by 32 in the opening round of the French Cup, which I certainly didn't see coming. Yeah. um. And yeah, they scored eighty nine against Yes and then ninety one against Toulouse, and then had to pull this game out, reaching only sixty seven. In you know, only being slightly relative there, but yeah, they they won a style of game they hadn't really done up to this point, and it was against a pretty good team, and they. Look, and they always feel like they've won despite not being the better team? But how many of those games do you have to win before <laughs> before you are just the the better team than whoever you have yet to play? Also, yeah, how how, how
1: many that... times do you need to win, sort of unconventionally, for us to buck convention?
0: Yeah, it's been they've been doing this. The first time I ever played against them was when Nabil, um, the Algerian guy, was still playing. I think that was like two thousand and twelve, maybe, and they were doing the exact same thing then. And he was—he's like Speed Demon. They lost him. They got Ramone, and that's no real downgrade speed-wise, at least, if yeah. not game-wise. And then, you know, they've lost both of those guys, and they still have just succeeded in flying up and down and being faster than everybody else. And it's like, how is, you know, what, where's this coming from at this point? You've you've basically stripped the supercharged engines out of this vehicle, and it's still just. <laughs> just chugging along on, on insane momentum. Um,
1: and the funny thing is, you look at them as well, and it's like, their three consistent starters are Machek, who is like very, very strong for a 1-5, Um one of the quickest 1-5s in the world, certainly of the ones that aren't just like track stars that are like track athletes that are also playing basketball, and then just gigantic from top to bottom like yeah. um they go both Fre- both of the th- French threes that you're like what do you mean they're both three pointers <laughs> like um and it's really funny because like Hussein Bilal might be the undersized one and he's there like well no they don't know it's two three fives and two threes but like he's their like high point ball Handler denomination and it's like this guy might be a little undersized if anything like it just doesn't matter because he's he's their next smallest guy. Um and Completely The,
0: the Moroccan guy is in that new chair as well.
1: Yeah, Reda looks he's gigantic.
0: gigantic. So tall. He reminds it's just me. a lot of
1: like, get a man out, cross, push, two guys at the baseline, two guys fill the elbows. Yeah. We'll be fine. And they either go, like if they're lacking a bit of outside shooting, Roa comes out and Toscano. Toscano started some of their games in that spot some of their games in the league he's they've gone Roa and gone like four straight bigs but going four bigs conventionally and Matchek being the low pointer that's on the floor is just wild and it's a function if they don't play any fours but like you look at that lineup and you go oh they don't have any fours on the floor no I don't I don't know if like <laughs> I don't know if they don't is what I would say.
0: <laughs> like, that was, that was going to be my, my next.
1: Comment. I was going to say. I think they have some fours on the floor, but it's like, how can they do this? Oh yeah, like it's two, three fives and two threes. Like it's like a like a Team USA press lineup of like configuration, but just complete opposite of play style. Just like battering ram on offense, really sort of pack the paint ish yeah. on defense. Is like pack the paint, and then they'll just occasionally chase around like absolute lunatics.
0: Yeah, um, very enjoyable watch. It's similar to what we said about Turkey. France is really great when you can like cherry pick the the matchups of like the four or five ish relevant teams. Like whenever any of them are playing each other, it's always a good watch. Whenever it's anything else, yeah, take it or leave it. Yeah. Okay, moving on.
1: <sighs> moving on. Right, where are we going next, man? What Shall... is the plan?
0: Shall we go to Italy? Because not only was it the French Cup, it was the Italian Cup. And while we're about it, I don't remember there being this many events going on days before Euro Cup. because it's been these things, and it's apparently the semi-finals of the German... Is it Pokal? They're, like, in-season extended cup. Did it used to be like this pre-COVID, and then it shut a bunch of these things down, and then... It's, they're gradually joining back in because I'm sure all this stuff used to be closer to the end of the season.
1: Uh, uh, it seems, maybe
0: like ja- the end of January and the start of February is the new June. It would seem.
1: Uh, yeah. Also, I feel like there are four cups in Italy. There aren't, but I feel like there yeah, are, yeah, there, uh, there, <laughs> which there, is a hello, are, which is a weird thing to feel. But
0: there are more more weekends with cup competitions than there are not weekends with cup competitions. Um, So yeah, congratulations to Briantia Cantu who won, I think approximately the eight hundred and fifty seventh copper Italia in their club's history. Um, I saw a bunch of their guys who were like taking pictures with holding the cup. Like so honored to win my eleventh personal copper Italia. I was like, yeah, you definitely don't care at this point, man. Like, is this photo even any different, or have you just recycled last year's one?
1: Um, I also saw on I think it was Sophie Cargill's social media that. Um, some of the guys that hadn't won one of those before got their head shaven, and I nearly—you'd nearly have missed it because it was like Steve Serio and the young fella. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone else would be like, yeah, I've got like six of these. What are you talking about? Like, you actually have to give me some of your hair?"
0: <laughs> yeah, those guys would be like, uh, I, "To shave my head, I would have to cut an individual hair for each of these trophies that I've won."
1: Um, uh, yeah. Also, look at how funny these stats are.
0: Oh yeah, the Cantu Gillian over game is an absolute travesty of stat keeping. But um I I was really interested, but we watched this one roughly the same time, I think. Um uh, yeah. And yeah, I talked when we did the EuroCup previews, I talked a little bit about how I thought size was gonna be possibly Cantu's Achilles heel. And you could argue maybe that's not such an issue because um Filippo Carasino had 26 and 27 points in their two games this weekend, allegedly on 130% shooting. Um, but
1: allegedly.
0: Yeah. Um I feel like every time I glanced up at this Cantu game, it was Cavanini pulling down a defensive rebound in a way where his elbows were like clattering people on the tops of the head, and then he was busting down the other end and just posting people up and shooting the ball. Um, uh, yeah,
1: I I was blown away. Like I couldn't get this game on quickly enough because uh it was implied that it was going to be on italian uh national tv um but that was only the final this was actually just on youtube but it was not yes. made clear on the poster uh so i was late to this game but i turned it on and i was like how does card of the keep getting away with this <laughs> what is <laughs> happening like are canto not just killing gillian over like now, the um, this should not have been a game, is what my I'm question.
0: Saying. So, this was the semi final, we just kind of lapsed into this without clarifying. But, um, Cavagnini, do you think so? When Italy were at peak of powers, which was like 2009 that they won the men's euros, maybe? Yep. Um, do you think Cavagnini was measurably faster end to end of the floor in transition than he is currently? Because I would really struggle to believe that that's the case. Obviously, chairs are lighter and better now. Um,
1: um he... probably, yeah. Like, but not noticeably. Like it was always like a Simon Munn, like, I will get there. Like I'm a it's like a runaway train. Thing like takes a minute to get up top speed, but then we'll just go through people.
0: Yeah, that was exactly it. Um so yeah, he had 19 points. Uh stats are all over the place. So we'll be a little bit um careful with hurling these numbers out. But he had 19, carried Julian over through some stretches. And the Aussie kid, Jalen Brown, who, for those of you who haven't seen much of his game, is a very small four, um, which I guess against Cantu is probably just called a four. But um, yeah, I thought he was the X-Facts man. He was cutting inside and finishing. He had, I think it was mid-fourth quarter, had one of the nastiest and ones I've ever seen where he followed a curl he had no business following into a crowd of giants, tipped backwards and just kind of javelined the ball up and it bounced around the ring for a comedic amount of time and fell through. Um, and yeah, Giulianova kept threatening to make a game but they got it to within one at one point. Um, the point at which they got to one, I think Carasino got a layup, Cantu got a steal and then Badoon for absolutely no good reason. Pulled out of a fast break to launch a three where he was rolling like far faster than you would ever shoot a rolling distance shot. That's what he the, does
1: one, transition threes at weird times. It's like, that's one, one, one of the already, hallmarks. He was already,
0: he was already rolling backwards in like celebration before the ball had gone through the net. And he was, yeah, it was Gillian over that gut, gut punch. I think Cantu got it up to about seven at that point, and Gillian over still got it to a three point game. Um, so, I was impressed with Julialiannova, left a little bit lukewarm by Cantu, although they certainly have all the talent they could ask for and yeah, we um we moved on to a Cantu and Santo Stefano final for the Copper Italia, which is a little bit of a preview of what we're gonna get at Europe Cup is also the second consecutive weekend that these two teams have played, and they're gonna play again this weekend coming up, so hell yeah. Um, they'll be fully sick of each other and I really think, given that it was a double-digit win for Cantu last weekend and a six-point win this weekend in the final, is this benefiting Santa Stefano as the relative underdog to play the same team three times in three weeks? You're know, you not going to fall further behind them at this point, you wouldn't think? Uh, No. That was my feeling on it anyway, obviously. Not able to watch the game with it being on Italian TV, but yeah, this seems like a quirk of scheduling that ultimately may benefit San Stefano more than it benefits Cantu was my take.
1: Yeah. Might be good for them, to, uh, but I don't know like how many times you get a look at another team that beats you several like I don't know how close they're gonna get. Like there's a level of team that I'm like, oh, you know, if they have five cracks at it maybe, but no. Well I, they I,
0: got it to, they got it to six this time. Yeah. So that's you know. Six points is you're in the range where you get to the fourth quarter, you get to within five minutes of the end of the game in roughly a five-point game, and it can kind of go either way. I think um Cantu have better game closing options in Oh for sure. Sereo and Burdoom specifically, but also we talked about Demagi getting um the better of the kind of interior Cantu defense and then you look at San Stefano and they get eighteen from Leandro de Miranda and and twenty one from Sabri Bezzetti, who are their two chief interior scorers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, unless Cantu are planning on getting taller in the next few days, that's still going to be their weak spot. Obviously yeah. There's stuff you can do to shore shore that up, but yeah. Can yeah, I they, can um... I
1: just say just on a little side note, like yeah. the stats not being. Right for this game doesn't give me the numbers on it, but like Steve Serio showing up to Cantu and actually getting those guys to play quick is nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, Perdun pushing for layups. You're like, what do we, how did yeah, you do yeah. that? Like, you
0: are, you are right on that one. I will give you that.
1: Unbelievable. Like, I'm so impressed. Like, it's it's just one thing. You look at a team that kind of plods around and most Italian teams that, except for Santa Stefano, they kind of plot around and throw the ball about and like from big to big and send ones inside and they're very methodical and it's like mismatch hunting and whatever, you kind of go, all right, if we just crank the pace, maybe yeah. they won't figure it out. But it's not like you can't do that to a team that Steve Sario is running. Like
0: <laughs> You're right. Um, and yeah, to my point of ago, nobody has benefited more than more from Steve Serio's arrival than Filippo Carasino, who has been really their only consistent inside presence. They've obviously got Dimaggi's out there sometimes Jen and out there.
1: they an outside guy though. Dimaggio wants to just sit in the perimeter and catch and shoot. Like he's no he's no yeah. he's no outside guy.
0: Yeah, you're right. Um and yeah Carasino 26, 26 points inside. in the semifinal, 27 in the final. And yeah, um Cantu scoop up another run-of-the-mill copper Italia on their way to Euro Cup, where they're going to see San Stefano again. And if anything, I would say I've come away from this more intrigued by Cantu than I was beforehand. Um, I still don't know if they don't know if they push Landil unless they have an unreal shooting game, but a weird understate, like kind of underwhelming, slightly too close for comfort game against Giulianova followed by a convincing-ish win against a team they're going to see again in a week's time and have beaten already. Does that vault them into another tier contention-wise? Probably not yet.
1: Not on its own, no.
0: Do I believe a team like that has another gear in them? Yeah, I certainly don't count that out.
1: Um, Looking at how they have played this weekend, if you're going to pick a candidate on Landil. To give them the most problems, is it is it Matthias is it Matthias Gunter and why? No, I mean, who who would you choose? Is it a Tommy game that undoes them? Is it a Gunter game that undoes them? Or um, I am. You can still see to... them doing it, by the way. I could still see them beating Landell. I I'm still kind of pro Landell just because, even though it's not the same team, Canto just haven't looked like a European superpower since 2017. Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh...
0: Yeah, I think Guntner and Rio are the obvious candidates. Um, I think I'm very excited to see the Tommy versus Serio battle. Uh, Hell because, yeah. Uh, the Serio-Landil uh, connections are strong. Um, I I think my, my take on it really is do Cantu have Sorry, Landil have the X Factor in their various lineups they can run with Yannick, as opposed to a lot of what Cantu have been doing, has been almost exclusively with um, one of Ann Patsfeld or Sophie Carrigal on the floor. Yeah. Um yeah. is their only low pointer who gets any minutes, really. Long they long go long. for
1: that Santarelli uh, Ruggieri lineup, which I, I don't I, think I, sticks I, with.
0: If they run that against Landil, then see you later. <laughs> yeah, I
1: wonder <laughs> if Landale can, yeah, not for big female one their way into trying to get Kanto to not do that, and then just run them off the floor. There, like,
0: you, you've just reminded me with the wording of that. This was one of the things I was meant I was going to mention off the back of watching the Turkish game. Do you think there is a future gimmick league in the same way that we've had three on three crop up? Do you think there is a future league where um, teams who want to do it just get to play four-on-four four to 15 points? Because that that's what most of these teams do. And, and then yeah. put their female one-pointer and to bring it down to 14 and a half. And it's like, I, I wonder how different things would look if it was four-on-four, four, like the stacked-up points, but without the reduction to make it it work. I don't think there's really a good answer. I just wanted to see what you thought to that.
1: um. It does it did just like it having to be the fifteen did remind me of when we played Malaga two two weeks ago when we didn't have a sub for if Mariana came out like we didn't have another yeah. lineup. So I brought up I brought it up before, but it's the thing of like, Hey, if we if you get fouled out or something happens to you, you have to come off the floor and we go over points with four players and we can't do that. Like <laughs> Yeah. But um,
0: so I think that's a spin off. Um spin-off wheelchair basketball genre which we probably won't spend too much time or effort on.
1: It's just like a geographical thing of like, it's five on five most of Europe, you go a little bit further east and they play a four on four and then you go even further east and they love their three on three (laughs) and it's like (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Do you have anything else on Italy or shall we move along?
1: Um, No, Cantu, Landil, Saturday morning 11.15 Central European time Set your set your set your alarms.
0: We'll use this to transition because people who are wondering when we're going to get to the routine programming, we're picking just the top game from Spain and the top game from Germany this week because that's how the the smorgasbord works. Um,
1: yes, that's how our European preview pod we, works.
0: We'll um, we'll use this to transition to Spain because we're about to talk about Gran Canaria. Watching this game against Cantu, do you feel and obviously Gran Canaria's result against Bilbao, who do you whose side have you fallen more on in the upcoming Gran Canaria san Stefano showdown?
1: Uh, Gran Canaria, I think. I really,
0: I really hope there would be more more depth to your answer on that one. Um, long, long No, anyway. well, you
1: you asked me that as if did I have an opinion that wasn't that previously.
0: No, I can't remember. I just wanted to see what you said.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know stuff I said it that I said it when we talked about them recently, like it's a lot of having to play fifty year old fabio raimondi, yeah. um especially now that Katie's back, like yeah. Katie um, comes back that, and just has twenty straight away because that's what she does
0: when you say twenty do you in fact mean twenty seven
1: yeah, I mean twenty something, yeah, um,
0: yeah, so a big quiet
1: twenty seven you know
0: yeah. Big result from the Spanish League this weekend um was Gran Canaria seventy-seven, Bilbao seventy-six. So it feels like you guys between the season and your various friendlies have played Gran Canaria like thirty-seven times at this point. I don't know why every time I pick a number at this um during this podcast, it ends with a seven as the final digit. But um yeah, you've seen a lot of each other. You obviously weren't Present for the reasons outlined, um, and you watched this one from home, presumably. Either uh,
1: yes, on a kind of having COVID. Um, um I think this podcast will get flagged for mentioning COVID a handful of times. Probably yeah. not, right? That's not a real thing. That's just a thing, thing that right wing commentators think happen. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah, this. I mean the the deal here was this game was close for basically the entire time it says that Bilbao's biggest lead was 11 it says that on the stat sheet yeah mean, pulled
1: away at some point mid third that. quarter
0: maybe i've got recency bias
1: no no it did there was a point mid third quarter that we were on on our way away with it um oh. we got to double figures but didn't keep it going yeah um
0: Obviously, I appreciate you're probably not going to dive hugely in depth on the analysis because you guys have got games to prep for and you don't want to be giving the trade secrets away. But
1: yeah, also, if anyone has any trade secrets for me to give away, please let me know. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, you guys played essentially, you're going to have one lineup principally playing for most of your Euro Cup stretch, uh, which is Pappy, Pat Anderson. <laughs> uh Asier, David Maurice and Mariana Perez. Um you guys obviously I'm not giving anything away there because anyone who watched the game would know that you're leaning heavily on that lineup as a test run in this game. And, yeah we
1: played two lineups for most of the most of the game.
0: Yeah and there were certainly flashes where it looked very good and then Gran Canaria got hot man and the Gran Canaria won the fourth quarter by four points to steal the game by one. Um, They'd kind of been on the charge late third onwards. Yeah. And yeah. I just thought the outside of a couple of missed free throws by Jorge Salazar midway through that, I thought the late game execution of Gran Canaria was extremely good. Um, Agreed. And then your guys' late game execution was um employing Pat Anderson who scored either your last 8 or 12 points which i can't remember off the top of my head but i scoured from the play by play um so that is an offensive strategy in and of itself um that certainly nobody would argue with and yeah, yeah. you guys um between Alexi Ramone and um Katie who had Katie had 27 Ramone had 20, 20. I feel like most of his came in the second half because it felt like there was a stretch where he was pouring it on. Um, yeah, for sure. And he hit just enough kind of sat still, dare you shots that you guys had kind of baited him into to stop him from driving and potentially cutting you up. He hit kind of two or three of those just at very dagger moments. Um, then he made his free throws towards the end of the game. And I think it was him who made the final free throws with a second left. Is that right?
1: Uh, yes. Um, that is a, that's a tough one. I wasn't, obviously I was two miles down the road watching it on a TV screen, but that's a, that's a, that's a tough whistle with a second to go like 40 feet from either basket. Um, I don't yeah, know. The, the, I the, don't uh, know. That's a weird one. Obviously there's a, there's, there's also a, there's a don't go anywhere near that. Why would you need that rebound? There's one second left is, is like, I like push away, don't let, don't give the refs a chance. But also, I don't, didn't look egregious. That's a pretty, I was talking to an unnamed uh, ref <laughs> friend uh, who was like, ah, yeah, like I, I'm swallowing my whistle at that point because like, just let it go to overtime. Like, I don't need to just, say... it might have been a file. And yeah, but it looked pretty 50 50. Uh, it's just disappointing, but also shouldn't need the refs to beat a team that we'd beaten previously, Um, handily uh, enough. Um, They're, yeah, when they're going, man, when they're moving the ball around and everyone's hitting shots, it's pretty tough to stop. You normally can depend on being able to force the ball to someone and feel pretty good about it. But um, also we maybe lacked a bit of the, line-up flexibility to try a couple of different things to stop them, but yeah, it yeah. just is what it is, and then I think going forward, well, going forward very quickly, um, we have some sort of balance type stuff that we need to figure out between now and Champions Cup that I have done nothing but think about, so hopefully sure. something will come of that sometime soon. Uh, yeah,
0: And um, obviously it'll be difficult to have a you know draw any really strong conclusions uh because you guys are going to different qualifying rounds in grand canaria arguably to the tougher one depending on what your criteria of that would be um but i think this game is a fascinating case study in how momentum really affects teams week to week
1: yeah, like um, they're in a great spot now, yeah, and yeah. we are not. Also, we play them at the, we play them in the quarterfinals of the Copa del Rey in a couple of weeks, so yeah, yeah. good time um, for them to win one of those, obviously.
0: Yeah, so this is but This is they're obviously they've accomplished what they wanted to and steal on that win. Um, I don't. I think this is an unfortunate one because I think stomaching the loss to you guys would have been a lot more palatable for them just based on where I think the season has borne each team out to be up to this point. I think that would have been the more expected result and they had they lost to you guys unless it was in particularly um despicable fashion had yeah. they lost yeah. to you guys by a handful they probably would have looked at that result said yeah, you know nothing lost, good enough on we truck and I think that is not true of the inverse which turned out to be the true scenario Um, yeah. and yeah it's tough man and it, you know you guys have got to regroup on the fly and take on some teams that we've just talked about that have proved themselves to be at least as good as Grand Canary, <laughs> if not. Um, uh, Grand Canary La would be an interesting one, actually. Yeah. The, Ra- the ramane Revenge game,
1: I'd actually uh, quite like so- to see that.
0: I say re- I say revenge as if they did anything other than cater to his every need. I'm sure he gets on just fine with those guys. Yeah, I'm sure um, he just
1: wanted a different challenge, but yeah.
0: Um, but Yeah, this was definitely the most interesting results come out of Spain this week, and I think this, obviously you don't want to get too like high-minded with this stuff, but it will be interesting to see how this result shapes each team's next few weeks um, with a couple of big games on the line. Or maybe it will be completely irrelevant and each team will just truck on as they would have done anyway. But we will ultimately never know. Potentially.
1: It's an opportunity to try and figure some stuff out. So hopefully that's the case.
0: Given Uh, all of the consequential stuff we've just talked about in the last nearly an hour, shall we talk about probably the most important result of the whole weekend, which seems bizarre to say, given that we've handed out, well not we've handed out, but there has been an Italian and a French cup handed out, and a significant upset win that we've just covered.
1: Oh man, it'd be so funny if we got to just hand that out. (laughs) (laughs) Like we just, one of the things we got to do was just hand over a trophy, never mind win one. That'd be great. That would be, that. that's on the list now, that's a goal.
0: Yeah, the bench units cup. That's yes. To be fair, that's what we dubbed that um, tournament that Giulianova hosted at the start of the season, wasn't it? Where it was like, Giulianova, Lacané, Trier, and then the Aussie, like, up-and-coming no. squad. No, well, that was
1: just the Aussie national team, more or less.
0: <laughs> yeah, To be well, that's what turned out to be the Aussie national team, because they took a bunch of their young guys to um, the tournament in Thailand, but at the time it looked kind of like, a, here's the young guys for a trip, and also Tristan Knowles is here as a a safe pair of hands was kind of how it looked at that point.
1: And it turns out that took them all the way.
0: (laughs) That's the safest pair of hands I've ever seen. Um, Yeah, so the big talking point of the weekend, if you're not sick of the sound of us already, was Hanover United, 70, Thuringia Bulls, 54, which... Both of these teams, they played on a Sunday for reasons I'm not entirely sure. I wonder if this was a rescheduled game. Um, Both of these teams played on the Saturday as well and Hanover beat Munsterland 72-57 and Thuringen beat, let me pull the stats up for the Thuringen game Uh, Thuringen beat Skywheelers 105-62. So Hanover had a closer game against Munsterland than they did against Thuringen, and Thuringen scored roughly half as many points against Hanover as they did against Skywheelers. Um, statistical oddities abound in this game, but um, I don't think this, no amount of looking at stats and quoting odd bits and bobs here and there will do justice to the kind of aura of watching this game. Felt quite monumental, I think. I don't know what your take was.
1: I remember being it like I remember watching this yesterday, running into the WhatsApp group that is me, you, and Mendel, and being like, "What's going on? Does anyone have any idea what's happening?" Because I'd seen that the, I'd seen the stats, but not really followed the game, and I just stuck it on. I was like, "Right, what am I? What am I waiting for here?" And it was so interesting to just watch, like, because the first quarter, I felt like Tom McHugh just went. Well, it turns out the whole game, he was 21 points on 10 from 15. <laughs> but um, I feel like Tom McHugh just really, really took it to Turing bigs. And it was kind of like a, there was a bit of a like, it almost seemed like a bit of a challenge. It was like, all right, so our bigs are going to just go inside and not really care and like hit extended post-ups and, and we're going to come down the other end and we're going to kind of dare you to win it from outside. And it's like, I don't think many teams put that challenge to Turingen. And it was weird to watch them be like, it's all right, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And then they just couldn't score. <laughs> like they just dried up and tailed off. And it was like brave, brave stuff from Hanover, but also just like really controlled. And most most of what they did, kind of came off for them. They had a couple of, like, as I said, like, Tom McHugh going 10 from 15. Like, he was great. Um, Jan Sattler had two threes in two plays at one point when there was a bit of a, like, oh, is this a stretch? Nope, nope. Here's a six-point gap. Uh, There were a couple of times that it looked like it might have come back, but never really... It looked like the, there was like the start of a push, and then there was always like a big shot on Hanover's side to keep it in double figures, and and then like and in the end, statistically, it never even looked close. Like yeah, that- there was no point that it was anywhere near it. Like they just like no one had it going enough for Tarragon to be able to make that push. Like Haluski ate from twenty two. Like I don't know when the last time that. Happened Jordi Zero from ten just didn't have it at all off the bench. Like watching Turing and kind of the only real times that Turingen made a bit of a chip into it was when Hanover ended up jumping, getting into rotations and like Turing and are going to punish teams inside. But yeah, man. Oh
0: yeah. I So I've got this is this is the first game I've watched. So I didn't watch this live. I watched it after the fact. This is the first game I've had so many thoughts going on concurrently relative to my usual kind of, um, you know, leaving the fridge open dull buzz that goes on in my head as I consume multiple basketball games, but <laughs> um, this is the first game in a long time where I felt like I needed to write notes as it was happening, uh, which I ultimately didn't do because I, I think I've got it most of it committed to memory. But, I was going to
1: say that would have been useful. Um, That's really what we should do.
0: <laughs> yeah we definitely don't sink enough time into this stuff already um, so I was I was brought back to when the Sean Norris signing uh, with Hanover which was not last summer but the summer before happened um, I remember we got a message on the benchiness count from a friend of the program who was like hey this is big Hanover are going to take a game off one of the top two in Germany now Um or can, not not I'm going to I should say, and they knocked on the door seemingly every game last season and it never quite happened Um, including them losing to Landil in the playoffs two combined games by like a combined 11 points or whatever it was but mm-hmm. um, it never quite happened. They got back to start this season. I thought Sean Norris looked a little bit slow and not quite himself and I've been sitting on a Mikey payout of retirement is actually more valuable than Sean Norris' take which I'm going to have to reconsider at this point um, but I, I thought about that as it as this game was going on and the thing that struck me is the point at which we got that message, nobody knew who Tom McHugh was and um, we've kind of watched his development you know, culminating in these last few weeks with him being a crucial part of the Aussies, punching the ticket to go to Paris And he's just going for it. We've long applauded, I think, from probably his opening game ever in Germany in the opening week of last season. We talked about how he seemed to be the man without fear and it is reaching the point of sheer reckless bravado. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. Um, And I thought this game had as much to do, at least with Tom McHugh as it did with Sean Norris. And it kind of felt like this is the result we've been waiting on from Hanover Uh for... Um probably since they made these signings, um a real legitimizing win. And also I think it was interesting that given how the Aussies took run away in the AOZ final by just extending the defense up and up and up, I thought it was really interesting that seemingly the two Aussie guys got back to rejoin Hanover and they're like, Hey, what if we just defend teams from 40 feet away from the basket and see if they waste a bunch of time?
1: And... Yeah, just like going away with the Aussie national team. Being like, oh yeah, we just scrap for everything. Yeah, we'll be okay. That
0: was, was entire. I don't think they're going to help themselves. They played a bunch of funky offensive sets where they, it was like Haluski on one wing behind Jens, Vahid in the middle, and then Jordi sitting behind Marie Kier on a screen. And it was just like pass, pass, missed shot. And it's like, yo, you've got two giants out here. Let's not have a 2 5 sat behind a. Uh, A low on the weak side where you could be doing some damage. But
1: yeah, it's like, hey, um, I know that one of these giants is like a real perimeter killer, but the other one could be on the block. (laughs)
0: um, Exactly that. And yeah, more so than that, I thought Hanover would just, in terms of the little things that, you know, maybe like scouting report, 18th bullet point on the list but we'll get you a basket here and there if you remember it in the flow of the game. I thought Hanover would just way more switched onto a bunch of that stuff, like a basket off, just running, not even an exchange, but just like a a fake pick, and then Sean Norris off the ball just burns Harry. Completely
1: nuts. There was a couple of like Higging him coming towards Beck rejecting it with the ball and just going all the way to the hoop. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah, like, and it's his in little... his forties. How is he beating you off the dribble? Yeah. This is unbelievable.
0: But it's details like that and stuff like um, you know, Geordie defending the screen with I think Sadler brought the ball down, dared him to shoot the three, and then shot fake, Buddha was on the screen, just digs his foot plate in and um Sadler got a layup as well, which was they're all like plays you're not going to run every time down because they're gimmicks more than they are hard and fast advantage creators yeah. against on defence, but I thought Hanover came out super aggressive in they seem to know when you play a team like the Bulls, you're not going to get a great shot on every possession, and I thought they were incredibly decisive in identifying a good enough shot and just shooting it. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh yeah, like I think there's a real there's a real like there's the quote when you're growing up and you hear like, oh, you want to be able to give up a good look for a great one. The higher up you get in basketball, it's like, nah, take a good one. <laughs> like don't exactly. look for a great one all the time. Just if take you your wanna, good ones.
0: If you wanna be um if you wanna be constantly in pursuit of a great shot, watch the Japanese men's team from the AOZ tournament, because what a lot of hunting for a great shot ends up with is 18 seconds of pinging the ball side to side and a contested 19-foot poster. Yeah, exactly. It's just what happens, when You can't search for a great shot forever. And, yeah, I thought Hanover, I mean, we've talked about them since we've been doing this, but I think it's just really cool to see a team that seems to have built things with the long view um and they've got there gradually and gradually and they've lost players that it looked like might have set them back and then they've you know taken guys in and reworked it even mid season this year they've lost CJ but they just seem to have the infrastructure that they can absorb this stuff and this might like it's a regular season game whatever but they're about to post a Euro Cup round and they've just knocked off the second best team in Germany in incredibly convincing fashion. And Thuringen knew it, man, because I knew this game was a sixteen point margin before I even started watching it. And watching the first quarter of the game, Hanover got up five, and Thuringen also seemed to know it was a sixteen point margin to end the game because they looked like they did not know what had hit them even before the game was out of reach.
1: Yeah. Um, Really weird, man. Like I think
0: that bit was strange. I wonder if because both teams were orange, they thought they had a double date with Skywheelers and they were like, Oh, we beat these team this team by forty three yesterday. We'll just roll out and do that again.
1: Yeah. It's weird, man. I think I think a game like this, you need a big Halouski game or a big Geordie game or a big something to sort of bring you back and you could sit like they shot with well, Geordie shot ten shots, Halouski shot, shot twenty two, like they they Give it a go, but you need one of those guys to find a way. Um to bring you back into that. And also I wouldn't have been surprised if this was like a if we were just sitting here talking about how great Lyndon was, and I can't believe people still underrate him. And can you believe none of these guys had it, but Linden was 10 from 14 and it didn't matter? Like (laughs) you know, like we've Um, we've been here before, but you just
0: So if if you'll indulge my cynical side here, um We don't often see Thuringen as the victims of an upset loss. And as a result, we therefore don't see many Thuringen out to get teams even more than they would be already. Is there a possibility that the next time we see Thuringen Hanover, Thuringen drop 300 points on this team to make a statement?
1: Uh, No, but do you think... After a game like this, is it more likely that Hanover beat Turingen next time round, or is it more likely that Turingen beat Hanover by more than thirty? Um this year I don't know. Like
0: Yeah, I'm trying not to get carried away. Um, on the Hanover hype train.
1: Me giving you a this or that about two scenarios, neither of which are likely, is a tough gig though. Like that's not really very Um, fair to me. I think if we had twice that, Thuringen have taken a punch and not recovered though. Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, if you want to beat Thuringen, beat the first, beat them in the first quarter. Simple as that.
1: Yeah. Um, can they take a punch in the face and recover?
0: I can't remember where you stood on this when we did the last um roundup, but. Does this colour your take on Hanover Fenebache any further than it would have been in either direction?
1: Um, no, sorry. Um, I don't know if I had a take. Is my my point here? I can't remember. Um, I think I, I called
0: Fenebache to to win that group. Um, yeah, probably. I don't Know if I'm rethinking it now because if you can beat the ring and you can probably beat more or less anyone apart from like Landeli, Looney on Albacete, but also how far are Fenerbahce off that?
1: Yeah, also mad that this might be the first year if we went to do our like Champions Cup Final Fours. Now, if we wouldn't nail Turing and Dine, and maybe that's fickle of us to do that on a Monday after they lost a game. Yeah,
0: I, I'm i going to go ahead and say I still will.
1: Yeah, same. If,
0: if for no other reason than they get a free pass to the quarterfinals right yeah well
1: then neither of us will do that then never mind
0: uh (laughs) but yeah man um this was in a week in a week of genuinely great games which i know we've slimmed down the roundup content lately and it's been better since but you see a weekend of games like this and you soon realize what a load of crap we tend to troll through week to week to make sure we've watched every game and my god is picking the highlights good um hell yeah yeah, I was I was super stoked for Hanover. Um and I yeah, I pray for their souls that Thuringen don't um come out to embarrass them next time, but who knows. I mean the real the realistic scenario is we'll probably get a two three playoff series between those now. Um
1: Oh yeah, that's exciting.
0: So yeah, careful what you wish for. But do we want to do the belt pre Euro Cup?
1: Um, I was just going to say, we haven't belted in a little while. Is it Tom McHugh?
0: It is Tom McHugh. Cool, yeah. All there is to it.
1: Um, Yeah, well, to be fair, it's Tom McHugh or it's Kitty Dandana or uh, Alexei Ramone. We're talking about big performances and other important wins.
0: I'm going to be petty on your behalf and not allow you to give it to a team that beat you.
1: Oh, okay, well. As in, I, I literally made that. I mean, I, I went out of my way to suggest it, but fair enough.
0: Cool. No, Tom McHugh has shouts to Hanover.
1: Cool, cool, cool. cool. Um, um,
0: we just. Alexi did... Ramanay
1: technically had a game winner this week. No. Yes, the free throw. Um... <laughs> I'd have missed it, but fair enough. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, I'd have missed so, it because uh, I play for Bilbao and not Grand Canaria. Uh, so if I had a free throw for Grand Canaria to beat Bilbao, I would simply miss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well I don't know are you confident you could miss if you really tried to?
1: I've actually thought about how worrying that is before like if you try to miss and you make it like imagine because you have to like at that point you're going oh, okay here's my question If you have, uh, you have to miss a free throw say you don't have to but at the end of the game you're trying to miss a free throw um, just to like stop the clock or whatever or I mean not stop the clock do you go straight off the front of the ring do you try and go like left or right so it bobbles out um, but then you might miss the hoop or do you try and go long or what's your what's your tactic? I've
0: only ever tried to do it once in a game and I tried to go front of the ring and just like as flat and as um much juice on it as I could and it I ended up making it by accident which was kind of weird. Um.
1: Alright, you see that's the worry. If you go yeah. left or right, you've, you're way less chance but then also if you overcook it you just miss the ring like you have to hit the ring for sure like I mean a
0: if worst case scenario is you try and miss it and you accidentally make it and in the process of doing so you land yourself an extra point that's worse than hitting the backboard not the ring and letting them have the ball from the sideline and you don't get an extra point
1: yeah like I'm just thinking say in the end game scenario where you're like say you're up you give two free throws, you're up one. You make the first one, you go up two. And rather than make the next one, give them a timeout. Um I think you making it and them, them only needing a three to tie makes it more interesting. But if like if 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 they're if you're up two, uh interesting. I don't know.
0: No, well, it's above my pay grade, because I don't play anymore. So I'm not gonna be missing or making any free throws anytime soon. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, th- I do think straight, but like way harder than you should shoot it is probably the move. Yeah, there was a good
0: one from the able-bodied EuroLeague earlier this season. I will try and dig it out. Um, but the guy essentially made his shot. He like lined up his usual shooting technique as if he was just going to shoot a regular free throw and then held onto the ball like half a beat longer than he usually would and just darted it in the front of the ring and he la- like landed it so perfectly that it just came back into his hands and he let Oh, I just finished
1: it. the game right yeah i think i've seen that um yeah um going
0: back to actually finish the episode rather than just us rambling as people but anyway like, what would you do get in, in touch <laughs> things off um euro cup starts on friday i believe um yes. we're going to try and stick like a substack doc together with all the links to games, stats, other such good stuff. Um, so keep an eye out. If you're not subscribed to our Substack, do so. If you um, need to access it by the Instagram, make sure you're on there. And yeah, it is going to be one hell of a weekend and I can't wait. And sorry to hear you're not going to Istanbul, man, but at least um, we'll get to talk each other's ears off as these games are happening and what more could you wish for than that
1: yeah i'm genuinely distraught that i am a watcher rather than a participant of euro cup this week but is what it is so yeah um talk to you about that probably next week
0: cool. if, you're listen, if you're listening and you still haven't um i say still haven't the episode only came out today if you haven't checked out our episode with Oscar Knight, go ahead and do that because good episode, super cool guy. And yeah, we're, um, made us feel young again, having somebody in who wasn't like a legend of the game that we have to ask about. Like, I remember watching you play this game in 2009. Do you mind telling us about this? And they like, I don't remember that.
1: Yeah. Um, then be like, you freak. No worries. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, uh, go check that out and yeah, keep up with, uh, Social media and hopefully enjoy the Euro Cup ride as much as
1: we plan on doing. Yeah. All right. Take it easy. Look after yourselves. Bye bye.